Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. And I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. So this week, we are both on the road. I'm recording in Michigan and Sean is recording in Hawaii. It's a very short episode, but we thought it was very important because Sean kind of goes over a health scare. We talk mainly about the reflection that he received from that. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome. Our last episode was maybe a couple of weeks ago when we recorded right after I got back from Cancun and Sean was in Colombia. And actually, this episode, we're traveling again. So it'll be our first episode that we record while on the road. Probably why the audio is a little bit worse than normal. (laughs) But I am in Michigan. I'm at home. And Sean is on the road in Hawaii. Yep. New Maui this week. Nice. Taking it easy. It was a trip that was planned back in December, I want to say. November or December of last year. It was our first family trip that we had planned since the pandemic started. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It's Miles' kind of first long-term flight. And it was a lot less dramatic or stressful than we thought. He actually took the six-hour flight like a champ. Oh, good. This wasn't his first flight though, right? You guys took him to San Francisco once. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. We flew to San Francisco once with him. And, but that was like a 50-minute flight from uh, Orange County to Oakland. We really had no idea. And he was kind of impatient in that one-hour flight. So we're like, wait, how's he going to bear with a six-hour flight across the Pacific? But he did just fine. Because the first time, actually, he was still under two. And so he flew for free and he sat in our laps. And then the second time, this time, like once you're over two years old, you have to buy a seat for him. And so we bought a car seat and everything. And he just like pretty much took a nap for half the trip. Oh, you had to take a car seat with you onto the plane? It's recommended because it's just a lot more comfortable for the kid. That makes sense. Okay. Well, that's a little nice tip for anyone who has a kid that's about two and you're going to travel long term. Bring a car seat. Strap into the car seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's this car seat from Walmart. It's made by Greco. I, I forgot who it's made by, but it's like a $50 car seat. Very bare bones. But it's like the best car seat because it's super light. It's like three pounds. It's super light. And you would think, I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, three pounds, it doesn't sound safe at all. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the best traveling car seat. Didn't even know they made those, but good to know. Yeah. Some other updates since our last episode. Our last episode, we talked about the stress of restructuring, reorganizing Clever and the startup. We had just gotten back from our trips. And crazy enough, like that weekend of after we recorded, I got diagnosed with Bell's palsy, which I'd never heard of before. And you haven't either, right? Before? No, not until you told me. I had to look it up. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of crazy because initially I thought I was having a stroke because I was having like the symptoms of a stroke, like yeah, partial base numbness, like paralysis and all that jazz. And luckily, you know, Mink's a physician. So she kind of, she was like, dude, this is serious. She's like, you might be having a stroke. And so we went to ER really quick and luckily it was only Bell's palsy and not a stroke. And Bell's palsy being like a a damage of the nerves, like inflammation of the nerve that 
runs through your skull and controls your face. Yes, there's one big nerve that runs on either side of your face. Mine happen to be inflamed on the left side. And so I have my face is paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks a lot better than last week when we chatted. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, luckily caught it early. So like if you were to see me in person, like it looks normal. And so I start blinking or laughing. Yeah. Because then I start looking like Harvey Dent of uh, Two-Face in Batman. Like only half my face goes up when I smile or laugh. But um, I remember sharing with you right before I left for Hawaii. And this Hawaii trip was like very serendipitous and opportune, kind of the timing of it. I was sharing with you how like, I think the first day or two, like it didn't hit me. I think it as hard. And then like, definitely day three, I was like, damn, it's going to be like this for like a month or two, at least having half your face, like not function. And, you know, I can still talk like you guys hear me talk. It's just that I realized like day three, like all those little things that started becoming debilitating. Like for example, like for me to talk because I can't use my whole face, I'm using only half the face to like overstrains the side that's working to make the mouth movements. Same with eating, obviously. And I think the most debilitating thing was just the inability to blink. So like blink properly. And so like the side that's paralyzed blinking, the eyelids are blinking delayed. It's definitely gotten a little bit better the past week since I started acupuncture treatments and whatnot. But it just like, it means like that side, like the eyes keep getting dry and stuff. And it's just really annoying and would bring on headaches or migraines, depending on which side was getting aggravated. But it's been surprisingly debilitating. It's crazy because in this whole podcast, we're talking about startup struggles, right? Well, just struggles in general. And like, this is, this is like a pretty big struggle. It's been a pretty big struggle, not just like physically, but I think emotionally as well. And we can go more into that. Yeah. And for people who don't really know what Bell's palsy is, the scary thing about this is that it's completely unexplained and it can happen for no reason. Seems like a lot of times it's because of a viral infection, but it can happen to anyone and there's no like age or anything. And it takes anywhere from a month to I've read even that it could take up to six months for it to just go away. That's right. And I think that also like a big mental strain is you don't even know what you did. And you don't know how long it's going to take to disappear. <laughs> well, I know what I did. <laughs> well, yeah. Doctors also say it can be stress-induced when you're under an immense amount of stress. Yeah. And I think with any type of restructure that a company goes through, that is very stressful. And it probably had something to do with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. They still don't really know the root cause of it. Through causation, they have some ideas of the triggers stress, sleep deprivation, viral, like you mentioned. So yeah, it's kind of gnarly. And I, I think the scariest thing for me was just like the fact that like, I've never heard of it. And then after getting it, I was talking about it. It's like, oh, like I started hearing that people like somebody's dad got it or somebody's friend got it. It was a lot more common than you think. Yeah. Do you think Hawaii has been a little stress relieving? Maybe extra sunshine or good weather? Yeah. So Sean just showed me his view <laughs> off his balcony where he is and it looks amazing. Yeah, the water looks pretty amazing. I think it's definitely created some space for me to think about things. Kind of back at home, survey the teams, right? For the companies, they've definitely 
create a lot of space for me to take a break and recover. And I think it was a really big struggle in the beginnings in many ways because like I couldn't stop working. Like I felt guilty to stop working. Yeah, of course. And I think the team and our advisors and mentors kind of kind of tell me like, no, like you need to stop, not cut down on work, just like stop working. I was like, what do you mean stop work? Well, what else am I, what, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, what do I do with my time? And from a mental and emotional standpoint, it was like, it was like a hard thing to grasp. It just sounds really weird even saying it. I'll give an example of like a couple of moments that really, I wouldn't say like shook me, but I like, I definitely like jolted me a bit. I think it all started when I was talking to my co-founder and you know, I was just kind of sharing how like after this happened, I really struggle with stopping my brain from thinking about work or thinking about clever. And he's like, dude, that's really unhealthy. Like we need to disconnect and like stop thinking about work sometimes, right? And initially, like my reaction, my gut reaction, like I felt offended. I was like, what do you mean stop thinking about work? We're founders. Like, don't you always think about work and clever? I didn't say that out loud, but I was thinking that. And then it took me a while to think like, dude, that's a really perverted thought. Like there's something really wrong with that. Like <laughs> you can't disconnect. And so I really didn't check myself. I shared that with them. I was like, that was a moment that I think initially had that reaction and I had to think about it afterwards. I was like, whoa, that's a really strong reaction to a statement. Like feeling offended when someone's like questioning why you can't take a break, right? Like something is definitely off balance. So when I started actually like digging into a little bit and questioning myself or reflecting on that, I realized, you know, a lot of it had to do with, I think just the nature of the pandemic. I mean, I started both ventures and clever during the pandemic and built my work habits all around that. And my work habits have evolved just to be working all the time because, well, I'm at home, I wake up, go to my desk and that is work. There is no separation of anything between work and life. And so work has inevitably just consumed my life. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing is that work is very intertwined with your identity. And it sounds like it's almost saying, hey, why don't you take a break? It's really interfering with how you identify with yourself. And it's challenging like a very core belief. And from service point of view, it's just saying, hey, you can unwind a bit. But for you or for anyone that works so hard or is like a workaholic, they are thinking like, but this is how I live. You're telling me that I'm almost living incorrectly. Yeah. 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 And some people can be, it could be a huge challenge to accept that. I mean, that's what I was like in San Francisco. I was working like hundred plus hours for years. Yeah. I didn't know how to turn off or unwind. And I think it's a, actually really interesting that you bring this up because I feel like the way that people take breaks is I think a lot of people actually don't know how to do that. For me, for a long time, it was just watching Netflix. But I don't think that's actually taking a break. It doesn't really give your mind a way to calm down and separate itself from what you're thinking about all the time. And so I think me personally, what I've gone through is this idea that the way that we can unwind is actually by staying curious. And that's why hobbies, I think, is extremely important. It's because having a hobby, having something to learn that is outside of work is a way of giving your mind a way to disconnect from a big part of what it does all day, but at the same time, still be able to grow and still be able to cognitively be 
improving and working on itself. It sounds weird to say that you have to go learn something to give your mind a break, but I feel like that's like one of the ways to actually disconnect from work. Yeah. I think another way is just through connecting with people, seeing friends. What I was thinking too during this week of reflection was friends, right? Just hanging out with people. Like that's something that obviously the pandemic kind of robbed a lot of people of was that human connection. And whether that connection is to, you know, engage in, in new hobbies, learning new things together, or just frankly, just hanging out. But that's something I realized, like I'm a very social person naturally. And that's one thing that like I haven't really gotten much of during the pandemic. And I think it was okay the first year or year and a half. And then after a while, I, because I, I just consume myself with work. I was like, all right, fine. If I can't go hang out with friends and party, I'll just go stay busy. But long-term, definitely not sustainable. I need to balance that back into my schedule. And, and the crazy thing is like, I have to be intentional about planning those things back into my schedule because it takes a lot of work to like plan time to like even go see you or, you know, have you hang out. It's like, well, but to plan a day and then like we have to drive somewhere, right? Yeah. To be really intentional about making time to hang out with friends. So yeah, that's definitely another thing. And then I think the other thing that really disturbed me quite a bit was it how guilty you felt for not working? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's exactly, you, you, that's crazy. I feel like read my mind. <laughs> that's exactly what it is because as I was like about to head off on this trip to Maui and you know, all this had already happened, right? Like it was the first week that I had Bell's palsy and we were planning to, to leave for Hawaii that weekend. And I was just trying to plan out like my time in Hawaii, like my work schedule in fucking Hawaii. I was like, all right, how about this? I'm going to cut my 40 hour, 60 hours or 80 hours a week down to 10 hours, two hours a day. Right. Yeah. And even Mink initially was like, oh, that's okay. That sounds pretty reasonable because I think for someone like with your personality and nature, it's like, you're going to go crazy not working. It's kind of going from like a hundred to like zero, right? And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm just going to cut back. And then the team was just like, no, like literally uninstall Slack, like just go off the grid, like stay offline. And I was like, I was kind of like going crazy in my head. I was like, I was like, wait, I don't need additional stress for now, but I feel stressed. Like I feel stressed thinking about not working, not doing anything. And that was really disturbing that like, dude, we have a family vacation plan that's like, that I can't like not work, you know? What's wrong with me sort of thing. And so yeah, that was pretty disturbing. I mean, the good news is I haven't done any work <laughs> for Clever. That's awesome. This entire week. I did cheat a little bit. Like I'm having these kinds of calls. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's not work, but it's still like something that is part of my routine that I wanted to have some kind of resemblance of, I guess I can't even call it normalcy, James. Like, what the fuck is normalcy? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the other big thing that disturbed me was just like, I could not imagine a week or even a day without working. And by work, by the way, this is the other challenge as a, as a startup, as an entrepreneur, as a founder. And I guess even as any kind of leader, right? This actually doesn't even apply to just entrepreneurs and founders. As a leader of any kind of organization or of some cause or something, anything, there's a lot of intangible stuff, intangible work that Mink described where just like your brain is just always thinking. 
you're not like sitting in front of a computer doing physical work, but your brain just doesn't shut off. It's always thinking about the team or like the environments or competition or whatever it is. That's something else I've been having to try to figure out. And the craziest thing is I know how I got here, but I can't believe I got here. Like, I can't believe I'm, I became a workaholic. <laughs> Crazy as it sounds. No, it's not surprising. <laughs> I think that's also a, a hard part about maybe the work from home culture is that before, for a lot of people, they probably were able to leave work at the office. But then all of a sudden, home became the office. And for you, starting Ventures, which by the way, people don't know, Ventures is a one of Sean's startups and it was your first podcast venture, right? And to interviewing his uh, business school graduates and finding out like tips and tricks and successes of his fellow alumni. Mm -hmm. So he started that a few years ago and then that was all during the pandemic. And so you work from home. And so a lot of people in the last few years, your bedroom or, or your living room or family room became kind of mixed with your office life. I mean, this is kind of similar to like, you know, people say in order to get a really good night's rest, your bedroom should be for sleep. But we bring our phones into bed, right? We watch TV in the bed. And so that actually starts to train the mind where, hey, this is not a place for rest. It's a place to do work or it's a place to read or to be entertained. And I think that's a similar thing with work from home is like what we're going to run into is this kind of mindset where you might not be able to turn off. Yeah. And I actually do not have any good tricks for this because I'm totally guilty of this too. And I have yet to figure out how to wind down from work. Like my trick was just quitting work entirely, which also is not, I don't know if it's a healthy thing either. Because <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is about the guilt, I have guilt now of not having worked for so long, which is, I think it's very entitled to me to say that, or I, I'm very blessed because I had the opportunity to do this. But I know that I would actually rather be working than be unemployed for so long, I think, is what I'm like slowly figuring out. Yeah, but what, what does it mean to work, too? Is working defined as trading time for money? Mm -hmm. I mean, we had this question about productivity like months ago. How do we even define work? Yeah. What you're doing now, if you end up becoming a published author and like doing book tours, like, dude, what you have been doing is work. For somebody, it's work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't really know how to think of work because I, I don't necessarily think that doing something for money has to be work because I think about like parenting, right? Parenting, you're not doing anything for money, but someone could say that it's a full-time job. It's very, very work intensive. So yeah, that's a good question. Maybe it's something that we can think about and follow up on. It's like, how do people define work and how is it actually changing as we're growing up? <laughs> not even growing up because we continue to live life. <laughs> not even that. I mean, just as society is evolving and changing. Yeah. We have friends that are YouTubers or influencers on social media. And I mean, they're just taking photos or videos and, and things like that. And they, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. Actually, like he's a pretty big YouTuber. They also struggle with kind of the same issues of separation because what was a hobby, what started out as a hobby and like this passion has now turn into like malobligation and his work, right? Like if he doesn't publish a video at least once or twice a week, his channel suffers, right? His business suffers. And it's a lot of pressure to constantly put out content nonstop. 
obviously they there's been some strategies and, and things that they figured out where it's like oh can we batch process and batch create content kind of like what uh, an actor does or actress right i'm just going to act for six months and then take a break for six months to shoot all your content all at once but in terms of our field though well maybe even for you like writing could be potentially very batch processed maybe work is actually like responsibility what you're responsible for can be considered work but i don't really like work in the sense where it feels that it's a negative thing where like oh i have to go to work i have to do this i have to do that and then responsibility is also it feels more like i have to do this i'm responsible for this but i think a few weeks ago we talked about the difference between i have to and i get to and so maybe it's like turning work into like i get to work i have this responsibility i get to do this responsibility yeah we don't have to do this podcast. We really get to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we totally get to. Maybe this is part of our job. That's it. We just do podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to have to keep this episode short. Yeah. Take Miles out to lunch. Yeah, man. Go enjoy Hawaii. Go back outside. Listen to the birds. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wanted to give everybody an update. I thought this was a pretty important update. Just a reminder, right, to really, as we're starting to come out of the pandemic, really check your the habits, right? Or the routines that you've built over the past two years, just to check them and check yourself, check your mental health, physical health, and make sure that we're not perpetuating something that was meant to be temporary. And so I think this like health scare was just a really good reminder. I mean, again, luckily it wasn't a stroke. It's something that is recoverable. So the silver lining. Yeah, that's a silver lining. All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in this week. Yeah. Thanks, Sean, for taking time off. No way, man. All right. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>